Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Eisner Amper. When entrepreneurs face challenges like choosing a business structure or access to capital, they call the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Connect with them, EisnerAmper.com slash tech. Global stocks are rallying, emerging market currencies rising and crude oil climbing after investors across Asia responded favorably to stimulus in China. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 15 points. Dow E-mini futures up 109. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 32. The DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury down 4.30 seconds. The yield 1.75%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.7% or 57 cents to 34.32 a barrel. COMEX gold up 9 tenths percent or $11 to 12.45.40 an ounce. The euro at $1.0875. The yen 113.06. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you very much. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. Michael, thank you and good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Attorney General Loretta Lynch is holding out an olive branch to technology companies, calling for a fruitful partnership to resolve the dispute over smartphone encryption that's driven a wedge between U.S. security agencies and company executives. Lynch makes the call in prepared remarks for the RSA Cybersecurity Conference in San Francisco today. It's one of the biggest business events for the security industry. Lynch urges an open dialogue that allows both sides to hear each other's concerns and learn from each other's perspectives, she's likely to get an earful from the technology companies. The president of RSA, the computer and network security company that puts on the conference, says government officials are looking through a very narrow and myopic lens with demands to compromise encryption. That's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Coming up this afternoon on Bloomberg Television at 4 o'clock, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, you'll want to watch that. And also here on Bloomberg Surveillance, we'll be talking with a member of the Judiciary Committee who will be hearing from both sides in the Apple dispute today, Congressman Tom Marino, 8.30, Wall Street Time. Michael McKee and Tom Keene in support of uh, Bloomberg 99.1 FM, Washington. Super Tuesday, we are at our wonderful news bureau in Washington. He won an election on November 8th of 1994 with 35% of the vote. No, it's not continental Europe. It's Maine. His name is Angus King. He's a senator uh, from Maine, and he is decidedly an independent. I, I, I think, Senator King, there's no one I'd rather talk to today than you. Is our two-party system at risk? That's the money question I just want to know how our two-party system moves forward after what we've seen. Well, I think it is. I mean, I think I think what we're seeing today is a uh, a disaffection from uh, government itself, and certainly from the parties. Uh, there's a growing number of people that just aren't affiliated, and I think particularly young people. It's it, you know, it's interesting. Both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are bringing new people into these uh, into these primaries, but whether they have any allegiance or connection long term to one of the parties, I think, is a very open question. 
want to get to uh, some of the issues facing the Senate in just a second, but as long as Tom brought up this idea, can I ask this? We have seen talk of wealthy Republican donors, if they don't like the nominee, trying to finance an independent campaign. And obviously there have been talk of uh, other people uh, self-funding their own independent campaigns. As somebody who ran as an independent and got elected, can that work at a national level? Well, there's, there are tremendous uh, sort of logistical challenges. The first is getting on the ballot in all 50 states. Uh, that's a very, very expensive proposition, and the time is running short to, to do that just as a, as a legal and practical matter. But, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, when I ran for governor of Maine in 1994, by the way, I did win my later elections by a little bit more than that 1% that you mentioned. Yeah, but, 37 uh, or 38%. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Right. Yes. Yeah, give me a, give me a break. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very tough because you have to go state by state. You've got the electoral college, uh, and you've got mm-hmm. to con- all the states essentially, except for one or two, Maine being one of them, are winner take all. So if you get one third plus one in Ohio, for example, you get all of Ohio's electoral vote. So it's really not impossible, uh, but it is a tall order. But, you know, uh, this may be a year when, uh, when people are looking for, a, for a third option. I think of your courage to run or, you know, years ago, Lowell Weicker of Connecticut and others that have taken a, a singular road. And one of the great assumptions, particularly from elites, is the reason independents do well is the voters are uninformed about civics, uninformed about politics. I've heard that this time around. Is this an America dumber about politics and civics or do we underestimate America's sophistication to make a political decision. Well, I I think you know I could argue it's the opposite that that people are fed up and they have every right to be <laughs> that uh, that a uh, a vote uh, uh, outside of what the the conventional political parties and and program is giving them is not an irrational choice. Now they may not be particularly well informed on any given issue, but uh, the instinct is that the system isn't working. And, uh, there needs to be a change. Uh, and, and in fact, that's how I won in 1994. You had a strong Democrat, a Republican, a Republican candidate, and I ran as a business guy, an outsider, and, uh, won. It was a very close election, but, uh, I think that, I think you can argue it both ways, but I think part of it is whether they are sophisticated on the particular issues, uh, may or may not be true, but they know something's wrong, and they want to try to change it. They may have, they may be, they may not have the right solution, uh, but anybody that argues that our political system is, uh, is hunky dory these days, uh, isn't living on the same planet. <laughs> All you have to do to uh, ratify that is look at the fight over the Supreme Court. How, it, how is this going to leave the Senate when, uh, we are finished with this debate? If the President nominates somebody and the Republicans just ignore him, is it going to become even more polarized? Sure, and, and you use the key word, which is debate. Uh, the, right now, the, the Republican position is there will be no debate, and uh, I, I just I, I can't really figure out that from either a policy or a political point of view. Uh, there are lots of terms and phrases in the Constitution we can argue about. People can write law review articles about what this or that uh, uh, sentence means, but the the word for the number four. And the word shall are not among those, uh, those unclear provisions. The president's term is four years, not three years and one month. 
And the Constitution in Article 2, Section 2, says the president shall nominate with advice and consent of the Senate uh, uh, members of the Supreme Court. He has to do this. It's a constitutional duty. Some of the same people who are saying he shouldn't do it are the same people that saying this guy doesn't follow the Constitution. I think he has a constitutional duty. Now, the Senate doesn't have a constitutional duty to approve, but I think it does have a constitutional duty to at least go through the process, hold a hearing, meet the nominee, look at their views, and take a vote. Uh, to, to just stonewall the whole process, I I just find uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, just doesn't make any sense. Well, from the cynical American's point of view, would Democrats be doing the same thing if there were a Republican in the White House? Well, you know, everybody's got quotes. You can find quotes on both sides. Joe Biden in 1992 and Chuck Schumer in 2007. There are all kinds of quotes from Chuck Grassley and Mitch McConnell on the other side saying we got to do this. Yeah, sure, there's some of that, but I don't think I, I don't think there's historical precedent for not even taking up a nomination, uh, which would essentially leave the court without a, a ninth judge for two terms, we, the remainder of this term and realistically into the late mm-hmm. spring of next year. So I don't think there's much uh, precedent for that. And like I say, uh, I'm not arguing that anybody should vote for or against. We don't even know who the nominee is, which it layers another level of, of uh, ridiculousness to this, to say I'm opposed to the nominee when we don't know who it is. It might be a combination of Aristotle. Right. Thomas Jefferson and St. Thomas Aquinas. Senator King and your family survived as we know it. You took a road trip across America, <laughs> 15,000 miles, 33 states. If Secretary Clinton or Mr. Trump were to leave scenic Brunswick, Maine, or wherever and start driving across this country, what would be your counsel for them to look for? What would they need to observe on a 33-state road trip like you took? Well, I think the, the the council, the first piece of advice would be don't have an itinerary and keep your eyes and ears open. In other words, uh, you can miss you can miss a trip by focusing too much on the trip. Uh, we went, we had no plan, no itinerary except a vague one that we were going to circumnavigate the country. Uh, but we went according to what the weather was. And what we found was a couple of things. There's interesting and important things going on everywhere. You could throw a dart at the map and find cool stuff. And secondly, the problems that I thought is I, I, this trip that you allude to was the day after I left office eight years of governor of Maine, I thought that our problems were unique in Maine and, you know, nobody else was really dealing. And I found out that they're virtually the same everywhere. There are variations, of course. But uh, the same kinds of issues are going around around the country. So if if one of those folks decided to take a road trip, I would say uh, uh, don't have too much of a plan, don't overschedule, and keep your eyes and ears open. Senator, well, thank you so much. Generous of you to be with us today. Angus King is the independent senator from the state of Maine. Futures up 16. Dow Futures up 122. Michael McKee and Tom Keenan, support of 991 FM Washington. Stay with us.